so last night, um, I I slept maybe an hour, Sean. I uh, I went to bed watching videos of my city truly on fire. And calling it my city is not white privilege. It is, it's my city as much as it's everyone who lives in its city. I planted my roots in South Minneapolis more than 30 years ago, and I intend to stay there. I don't have plans to go anywhere else. And last night, amidst protests over the murder, and I'm calling it murder, and I don't care who changes it or says otherwise, of George Floyd, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast that this impossibly awful brutality happened over the last 48 hours. Things have transformed so radically here in Minneapolis. It is the Brian Oak Show. It's episode 60. We are broadcasting live from the Smart Start MN studio here in the heart of South Minneapolis, a mere 10 blocks away from where that murder took place on 38th and Chicago. We're near 48th and Chicago by the Parkway Theater. I couldn't stop watching, and I wanted to stop watching. I was exhausted. I was heartbroken. I was disheartened. I was. I found myself in conflict with people who were decrying my white privilege for calling this my neighborhood. Guess what? It is our neighborhood, but it's also my neighborhood. This is my home, and it's it, right now. It's the home to so much wild unrest that it's 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 startling. It's stultifying. So. The the incident happened at 38th and Chicago where George Floyd was, had his neck knelt on so long that he died from his injuries over passing a fake bill, some kind of forgery crime. $20 fake bill, supposedly. Okay, and great. You know what? Even if that was absolutely true, guilty as charged, you don't deserve to die for passing a bad 20. You yeah. just don't deserve to. And... The people involved, you know, Mayor Jacob Fry has stepped up kind of so far and said these people need to be prosecuted, but that's not his job. The FBI has stepped in. Uh, the attorney general needs to step in. Uh, there, there's just there's a lot of a lot of moving parts on this. But as a result of all this going down, there were relatively modest protests. There were wi- very well attended, but relatively quiet protest attended night one last night which would be what's the date today is it the 28th today i think so okay well last night which would have been the 27th many less than a mile from my home many buildings in southeast minneapolis were burned to the ground and i understand the nature of protest i understand why a riot happens i understand the absolute impossible endurance you know what that's unfair as a a middle-aged white guy i can't say that i don't understand what institutionalism racism is i haven't had to feel the business end of it but i understand the frustration and so i want to protest i want to be out there but there are adjutants there are agents provocateur in the crowd who see this as an opportunity to burn things to the ground to loot. There was widespread looting throughout southeast Minneapolis last night. There were widespread damage, even in our neck of the woods, over here on 48th and Chicago, which, by the way, is nowhere near Lake and Hiawatha. I mean, yes, you can be there in less than 15 minutes, but it's nowhere near. The liquor store across the street from our studio here, the Smart Start MN studio, Ken and Norms, they were broken into twice last night. Once before the close of business, uh, where one of the the people who runs the place was hit over the back of the head with a bottle, and this small, wonderful woman 
with a halting command of the English language. She was forced to the floor. They took the money. They took a bunch of booze. And then again at 5 a.m. this morning, so when I walked over there to get some um, San Pellegrino Aranciata, uh, which is orange, I believe, if mm. I'm not mistaken, um, they were like, yeah, no, they, they now have this sort of fortified metal girding on all their windows and doors. They're still open, but... Right now, there's a rampage going on in South Minneapolis, and I don't know that it's not warranted. And I did do a lot of discussing online last night with people about, you know, Martin Luther King had that famous line about rioting being the language of the unheard. Mm -hmm. And I think that I understand that. So if you want to riot, that's fine. But hurting small mom and pops in your own neighborhood really only sets your already challenged neighborhood back. Is that fair? And burning a uh, low-income housing unit that was being constructed is so counterproductive. I, I, I totally agree with you. I can't, I can't tell you what it's like to be black, so I, I can't tell you, you know, what I would do in that situation because I, I'm not black, so I can't say that. I, I had a lot of people say that you can't tell African Americans how to protest, and I couldn't agree more. But I can say that I share my neighborhood with African-Americans, with Latinos. I live in Southeast Minneapolis. I share it with African-Americans, with Latinos, Asian-Americans, all kinds, all kinds of immigrants. And I'm cool, man. My whole philosophy has always been like, I'll be cool if you'll be cool. And I know that it sucks that, that, institutional racism has always been a thing and I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm sure a lifetime of frustration and rage and perception, all of a sudden there's this opportunity to let it out. But like when a business across the street, like Ken and Norms and frankly, I don't really like Ken and Norms. They charge too much for their booze. I'm going to be honest, but maybe not the exact moment to give them fine. shit, but, but yeah. no, no, but this, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is for perspective. Yeah. Um, they're not my favorite place, but also they are a mom and pop shop yeah, and trying to make it happen. You know, I mean, mom and pop shops are what make our community vibrant, you know? Okay. Target got looted. Guess what? Target's probably going to survive. I'm guessing Target will survive that. Although the people who work there, I know two people who work there and they're screwed. So it, it, and all the na- all the people that lived in live in that neighborhood right now are now going to be incredibly inconvenienced and have to go with, you know what, what about, 8 miles away to go to a, a different Target and it's like you what are you doing? What, I just don't What about uh, the people who are like, "Oh shit, I was going to go to Cub and get my groceries on Thursday because I have to walk 3 blocks from here. Yeah. I don't have a car or I don't have now means I have to take of transportation. A bus. I have to take a bus 8 miles to Here's the next, here's the yeah. deal, man. I protesting is important. If you are Absolutely. Ma- if you are mad, if you want revenge, target the right people. Don't and, and and that's why I say that there are and we're going to talk to a guest here very shortly, Jared Brewington, who's been a guest on our show before. Who, in fact, without we may not have the studio we have right now. Um, he's True. a wonderful, bright, shining light. He had a business called Funky Grits on Thirty Eighth and Chicago, right where the aforementioned murder of George Floyd happened. We're going to talk to him. He was on CNN. <coughs> I'm fine. I'm leaving that in. It's not the void uh, or the rid or whatever it's called. Um, The vid. Um, (laughs) He was on CNN last night and he was a brilliant spokesperson for a city he loves as much as I love. I know you love Minneapolis. I I love Minneapolis. A lot of people do. There are other great cities, but this city right now is on fire. And there's a lot of worry that tonight might be even worse than last night. And 
I really hope not because last night buildings, literal buildings were burned to the ground and there were more murders. So I want to talk to Jared because this guy has a better perspective on this than either Sean or I do. And we will talk to him coming up next here on the Brian Oak Show. Uh, we do want to thank AudioQuip again because AudioQuip, Jared is who hooked us up with AudioQuip. Yes. And without them, we don't have the pro-end, high-end gear that we have in the studio right now at the Smart Start MN studio. So before we talk to Jared, let's just... Just think about things for a minute, and it's weird that here we are in 2020, and racial tension is still a thing. It's mind-boggling to me, but I feel like this song speaks to it almost as well as anything. You will not be able to stay home, brother. not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on report from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lights of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on Search for Tomorrow, because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry Arm, women liberationists, and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. The late, great Gil Scott Heron, mm, the revolution will not be televised. You know, 
it might have sounded even more important back when it was recorded, but it's weird, you know, it, especially if you don't live in Minneapolis, especially if you live in... Minneapolis in springtime is a glorious, wondrous place, man. Everything's coming to life. We live down, we're in South Minneapolis down by the creek, by the lakes. It is an incredible place. But here we are in COVID-19, but at least we have that to turn to. And now, after the senseless murder of George Floyd, the intentional and awful and brutal murder of George Floyd... Riots have erupted, and it's weird to think of this wonderful, quiet, nice, decent place that we live in is now the epicenter of international attention. I mean, the number of global outlets that have reported on this case and the riots that are happening, and the fact that last night I didn't sleep for more than an hour because... And again, it's not about me at all. I just, I couldn't take my... uh, By the way, uh, full props to Unicorn Riot. Yes. I don't know those people. I know. I don't know anything about them, but I want them on the damn show, and I'm trying to get in touch with them now. Unicorn Riot does this amazing thing where they're almost, you know, when I worked at Minnesota Public Radio, they were always all about, like, journalism with a capital J. Um, Unicorn Riot is brave without being confrontational, is intelligent without being... Totally judgmental. When I watch the video feeds of Unicorn Riot, I feel like I am learning something. I feel like I am actually watching things as they unfold. And it's also informative. They're they're informed. Unicorn Riot. You don't you don't have to take my word for it, and maybe you'll think like, oh, these are another bunch of crazy Antifa lefty lefty loonies. Unicorn Riot is worth following if you want to know about what's going on in the Twin Cities, especially during these riots. And man, my fingers are crossed that tonight's not shitty like last night was. Oh, I just hope. I just hope. I can only hope that people are peaceful tonight. Less than a mile away from my house, man. Yep. Things burned to the ground. Also, though, the auto zone that got lit up. Did you see the video and the pictures? There was oh. a guy in, dare I say, Police gloves, police mask, and police boots, who was the first to smash the window and when confronted by videos. Again, I am not. I, we talked about this on the last episode. I do everything in my power to be pro-police. I want my neighborhood to be safe and to be cool, and I know there are good cops. But I think we've learned by this point that there are also some bad ones. Just like there are good accountants and bad accountants. Of course. Just like there are... Good neighbors and bad neighbors. Speaking of, before we uh, introduce today's first guest, uh, our proper guest, um, Jared Brewington, I do want to thank another local entrepreneurial place that is mere blocks from my house that I hope that they were not damaged or ravaged last night. Buster's on 28th. They provide exceptional food. I'm not, you know, like some people like, oh, that's a good burger. No, these, these guys take their food exceptionally seriously. They also pride themselves on hundreds of variations of beer and wine, which apparently now are available curbside, they do a really good job. Busters on 28th.com. Thank you so much, Busters, for sticking with us through everything. And we will be returning the favor because we now have the Brian Oak Show tote bags, which we're going to be giving away to Patreon members who come by Busters in the not-too-distant future. Plans still to be made. Yeah, we're setting all that up, trying to coincide. They're working on uh, online ordering, which will be fantastic. And once they have that figured out, we're going to coordinate that so that we can be down there uh, sitting at a table uh, and handing out these lovely Brian Oak Show totes. I um, 
uh, do a weekly Zoom with my parents every Wednesday night, and I held up one and showed that to them. And my mom's like, "Are you kidding me? Did you go tote bags?" I'm like, "Yeah, I went I tote thought bags." Jimmy was gonna start singing, singing, uh, "Looks like we made it." <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest on The Brian Oak Show is a friend, and he's already been on the show before. He's a Minnesota entrepreneur. He is articulate. He's inventive. He's interesting. And last night, he was on CNN with Don Lemon to talk about what's going on in our city. And apparently right now, he's rolling down a hill of leaves. I'm not sure what all the noise is, uh, but... I can't help it. Um, Jared Brewington, the founder of Funky Grits, now with American Thighs. Uh, Funky Grits was a restaurant that was very near the corner, right, frankly, at the intersection of 38th and Chicago, where we lost George Floyd, which has been the, the flashpoint of the violence, of the rioting, of the rightful protest, of everything that's been going on, and... First of all, I have to, I, Jared. I, first of all, I just want to say hi, man. How are you? Hi, brother. Uh, my hearts are sad and our brains are tired. Um, I'm, I'm always optimistic about how the next day and the rest of the day will go, and I, I still have optimism that the tears will, the tears will dry up, and we can we can rebuild our hearts and some wood. There's some wood and plaster and drywall to rebuild because. The tears got heavy and stuff got broke. Well, and I don't, I don't think the tears are over, and I'm not sure that the amount of broken stuff is over yet either. Um, no, sir. You know, I um, th- there's so much here to unpack that we could do, you know, a, a 12-part miniseries just to try to talk about everything that's involved in this. When you talk about institutional racism, when you talk about police brutality, when you talk about how even in our so-called modern age, what it's like to be black in a white world, no matter where you live, there's so much happening here. But then there's also murder. But then there's also looting and rioting. I honestly don't even know where to fucking start. And so I want to say, first of all, I love you, and I'm very glad that we've become friends. But secondly, I'm going to ask you an impossible question right now. What the fuck? It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot I, to unpack. Th- there's just, it's always been a lot to unpack. That's what the fuck. That, what, there's too much, man. I, so I don't know where we start. So the murder of George Floyd... And I'm calling it a murder, and I don't care what anybody says about it. We watched the video, and they're like, oh, no, new police cam video. Oh, no, here's the restaurant video, which you exposed on CNN last night. We always knew it was a murder, and now it's just even more clear that it was a burner. I, mean, I know good it cops. Was a, it, was a, it was a death march. I, I know good cops. So how do we, yeah. how do we find a way to without demonizing the police state, you know, because I believe that in order to preserve our way of life, in order to preserve the things that we think are important, we need a police force in place. What do we do, man? How do we, how do we get these, these literally murderous elements out of their ranks? We remove the police state. I submit a correction. The, work, the, the term police state is that is, to, that is to the negative. That is why we are a police state and that's, not how it's supposed to be. 
the, the emblem, the emblem and wording on the side of their vehicles nationwide is a big lie then because the protection and service part has been gone for a long time. And we're talking about older, older versions of what the, a caricature of a police officer was. Not an over, overdone caricature, but a whistling, whistling community participant that walked up and down a certain area that they were set up in their, in their division or, or precinct. And, and they work with the community to understand who they are while they're just living their daily lives and are there to protect and serve them when the need arises for what they're there for. And so, when it becomes a space where the police are authorities over your movements in an outside in the outside world, uh, and 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 that's acknowledged and 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 heated, that's a police state, and that's that's tyranny. And if we're talking about <clears throat> Second Amendment rights, tyranny and authoritarian overreach is happening in the inner city for a long time. But the right to bear arms for the black community has never been an issue, uh, a, a a get. Let's just say yeah. we've all been doing, we've all been talking about the, the, the utter hypocrisy of images of protesters in Michigan with all of the guns, with vests, with backup cartridges, you know, or mags, uh, um, excited about taking their new AR that they built and hold it and go into protest and scream. That is not afforded on African-Americans. That's not afforded on people of color at all. That is absolutely not afforded on people of color. Um, the fatigue has boiled over into uh, a sort of display that has historically uh, been, you know, predicted as these rumblings happen. Mm -hmm. This isn't just because this was so egregious. This was just because this was so egregious and it happened again and it just can't. Um, I, uh, I believe more white allies have spoken up about this than have before. Maybe it's COVID fatigue and, and being cooped up, and this is the final straw uh, of something that has been a community scourge for absolute generations. Well, and um, not just generations. Yeah. I would say even decades. And, you know, I, as a middle-aged white man, feel a little uncomfortable talking about a lot of this only because I'm less, I'm like, no one's going to take me seriously. And even last night when I said, my neighborhood's on fire, knock it off. Someone's like, talk about white privilege. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, what about our neighborhood? And I both agreed and disagreed with that. Jared, I think you know me well enough to know that I do not have any hate in my heart for anybody. But also, maybe I, you know, I, I get the vernacular wrong from time to time. This is weird. And now now it's been brought into a, a glaring, glaring bright focus. Um, what do, you know, you mentioned white allies. What do white allies do to not only be like white allies, but just to be allies and to be smarter and to learn? My answer has always been try listening more. But is there something else that square middle-aged white dudes like me and Sean can do? Well, I've been saying this a lot more. Um, it's not my place to teach you how to be the best citizen that you can be with your knowledge of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and as an African-American, um, I've been approached a lot of times to say, tell me about this. And I say, I'm not black Google. And it's not <laughs> my space for you to to go find stuff. And I don't mean so to laugh I'm not at saying that. that I'm not brilliant. saying, and I'm not saying that to you, however, Mr. Brian Oak. Um, but mm. uh, it, I, I felt necessary to say that because that's a, it's not a microaggression. It's, it is kind of like, 
you know, for the 900th time, that, that well-meaning person doesn't know that's the 900th time that a, a, a white person that I was friends with said, teach me more. I'm like, I'm not going to teach you. You want to know, then you will know. That's how it works, you know? Um, and, and that's not, that's not rude. I don't believe. So, um, uh, <laughs> this, this is, this is, this is one that gives me a lot of pain. Uh, but it's also an effective, an effective, uh, way to think of it. When, why, uh, when white men jump in front of black bodies to save them, that's when change is happening. When that is an average thing. It's sad, but fucking true. But don't you also feel that the real problem here is systemic within the police system? That this guy, Surely. this guy, they had to know there had to be indicators for years that he was not a good guy. And people, not only did they stand there and do fucking nothing uh, the other day, but you know, for yeah. years, this guy was on the fucking force and they didn't do a fucking thing to stand up. We just have too many yeah. people that are just like, oh, I don't want to ruffle feathers. Oh, oh, geez, you know, boy, the guy's, he also got a accommodation for Valor at one point. Well, that, who gives a shit if you're treating other human beings like they're not human beings? So to me, like, I'm, I, I, you know, it is it is hard in the place of being a middle-aged white guy because you're like, but I also feel like I'm not part of the problem. I have spent a lifetime standing up to bullies and standing up when I hear racism. You know, I, I have spent a lifetime it being inclusive, and I don't feel like I'm part of the problem. And so for me, it's like, yeah. but these motherfuckers who sit there and, excuse my language, but these people that watch other police officers do this to people over and over again, and they look the other way. We witnessed it on camera that people sat there Very and watched slowly. a man become unconscious, and he still kept his fucking knee on his neck. It's a condition to assume that because they're a police officer, that they have the scene under control. That's the reason why we've become numb to a police state that we automatically assume that their presence equals calm order and, uh, uh, you know, management of, of, of heightened scenes. They may be the creator of the heightened scene when they are just arriving to something that they still don't know about. Now, uh, we talk about the institution of the police department, Sean, uh, you know, bringing that up. I mean, it's an apathetic, it's, 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 I have worked and known with Madeira Arredondo for years. Chef, Chief Rondo, I've known since I was a kid. The church his family and my family grew up going to was four doors down from where Mr. Floyd was killed. Um, I grew up with his younger brother since I was seven. Oh. So, and I, I'm on a board of directors of YouthLink with Chief Rondo and Sheriff Hutch. I've worked with law enforcement and, and the public-private partnership that is necessary for any sort of economic development or, or uh, philanthropic or charitable local activities to work. You, it doesn't work without a private partnership. It doesn't work without a public partnership in the nonprofit world, especially if it's regarding youth homelessness. So I work with them on a professional level. I know them on a personal level, uh, Sheriff Hutch more, but I've known, I've known Rondo as a great man, a very, very uh, courageous person, someone who is uh, not just articulate to the matters of what the community feels. He's from the fucking community that this happened in. His hands are tied in multiple ways. 
he, he has all the powers and duties of an acting chief of police, the same way the mayor does as an acting mayor and, and, and his hiring and firing powers over the uh, matters in the police department. But when it comes to the police union, that infallible wall, that is something that kind of rocks the boat. Uh, Bob Kroll's a bulldog. He's going to do what he can to make sure that his officers are protected as a union leader. But he also has brought in his own personality, social and political issues that has made that part of the way he, his persona, you know, Bob Kroll is a brand. He's made that, uh, uh, he's done that work himself. And, and with that, it's gotten him national prominence. And so uh, he's, he's taken his responsibility to the next level. So there's, there's no one else like him. And some people say, yeah, he's unique in a lot of ways. And then they might say a lot more. Um, I know how he slants and I know his, his bend. Um, so to my, to my point of working with law enforcement, I respect police officers. I own a business. I, I, need, I need law enforcement if things get out of hand for my business or, or any interest of mine that, that might include safety and health of my family if it's something that's beyond my control. But you better believe I'm going to try to mitigate and control everything before I call the police um, because I know how things can escalate. So I respect police officers, but the union is an institution, and that institution has an infallible leader. And when it comes to any reprimands or, or, or trying to take a disciplinary leadership role from the mayoral or uh, chief's perspective, that's what they have to work with. Sometimes it's against. A lot of times it's against. And that leadership is the voice of the, of the department. That department votes in that leadership. And if Mr. Kroll's space has been held for so long, that's because that's the voice of that department. That is by leaps and bounds, not from the community in which they are serving. They're not serving the community because they can't, because they don't know them. And you can't, you can't police what you don't know. So you just come in as a, as a soldier, almost, with data based on the area that you're going in. And if they're thinking that they're a cop, they're like, all right, what's the high points here? Oh, I got North Minneapolis. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of this, a lot of that. So I'm going to be vigilant and looking for it. Not engaging with the community, the community leaders, the 99.9% .9 of the people that make up that area who is proud, has pride, uh, takes care, knows everyone. Minneapolis, St. Paul is full of neighborhood organizations that are so, so well supported. I said, uh, I said on uh, Don Lemon yesterday that um, we're number one in parks and number three in St. Paul, Minneapolis-St. Paul. So uh, <laughs> that's because the neighborhood organizations all care. Like they care about their little nooks where all of our parks are. So mm -hmm. these are little political ecosystems that have neighborhood pride even in North Minneapolis. So they don't know these people. They don't engage with the NGOs, the nonprofits, the, the, the local park boards. Right. We all know the Minneapolis St. Paul parks are freaking rad. So uh, and you can know everyone through that system. Um, and if you don't know them and, and you don't have a relationship with them and you're only there as an authoritarian figure, you are going to be seen as an imposing force and you're never going to get shown respect. And all of your interactions are going to be off your 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 taking you as an officer. You're receiving the scenario the same way that. Uh, uh, the person you're talking to is. Uh, we have a preconceived idea of how this interaction is going to go. Young black man, officer, he's scared, he runs for no reason because he thinks he might get falsely accused, shot, dead, or he's into some trouble, right? Either way, 
this turns into a lot of mayhem and fucking shenanigans that turn into deaths and, and sad communities crying. So right. it's an apathetic, long-standing uh, unit that came in that never had the proper training to be interactive with their community and proactive about positivity. And so when you react all the time, you're trigger ready because you just want to save yourself and go back to your home. And these people that live in these proud neighborhoods, crime or not, are still human beings. And, and neighborhood pride is everywhere. There aren't neighborhoods that where there's high crime where everyone's despondent and sad. They're sad about it too. Um, I think you said the phrase that I feel strongly about, even though I got called a uh, person of white privilege, which perhaps I probably am. Um, last night on Facebook, you're alive on, in Minnesota. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I am uh, in, in, in on social media. But you said we're all human beings, and a lot of the people who serve on a force are not from the community that they work in and are given the power of law and order and life and death. And it's, it's, it's a fairly tragic situation when people can't make the transition, which is maybe why the standards need to be higher. I don't, I don't, I don't know how we fix it. I don't know that you know how we fix it, but I do know this. We need to get a song in here quick before we go on much longer, but trust me, <laughs> trust me, Jared, we're coming back and we're going on longer. I promise you that. Um, you chose a song by Prince that I very much enjoy. And, you know, again, I, I want you to speak to it. You know, I, every time I have a guest on this show, which is every single time. By the way, welcome to episode 60, Jared. Nice to talk to you again. Um, wow. uh, yeah, right? Congrats. Seriously, 60? <laughs> what? Have we? Have, this is still happening? Um, you chose a song that matters. And, you know, I made a list the other day of songs about stupidity that included Mr. Cab Driver by Lenny Kravitz. And I forgot about this one. Tell me why you like this, this Prince song. Dear Mr. Man. Yeah. It's everything right now. And the only thing that can cure some of these emotions that we have right now, every time is Prince. And we need Prince right now. We all need to just shut the fuck up, sit down and listen to Prince. Mr. Man, they're working around the clock. 
cigarette ass on every block. Who told me, Mr. May, that I got a right to moan? How about this big old hole in the ozone? What's wrong with the world today? Things just got to get better. selection by our guest today, Jared Brewington, who used to own Funky Grits on the corner of 38th and Chicago, where one George Floyd was literally murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. In no way do I condemn all people who join law enforcement. There are some very, very noble people who are on the front lines of danger every day, but there are also some monsters and some thugs. And, um, I, you know, I just, I stepped out of the room for a minute to catch a breath of fresh air and, um, you know, mansplaining becomes a thing that I thought about. And then I thought about, I, I invented a new word called whitesplaining, which I don't want to do today because this is not my job. It's why we're talking to you, Jared. You're an African-American and you, you know, you, because of your affiliations with the people at that corner where it happened, provided video uh, yesterday that got you on with Don Lemon on CNN, which, by the way, you know, I've always known since I first met you that you represent this community and this city well. You are a Southsider uh, by by blood and by nature and by soul and by thought, and you know what this community is about, and you got this video to media outlets before it could be commandeered or edited or screwed with, whatever the right word is. Um, how how did that all come about? It was a very intense day. So at 6 a.m., I got a phone call from a gentleman 
from the Walt, uh, Dalton Bennett from the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, are you the owner of uh, 805 East 38th Street? And I said, no, I'm not. What is this regarding? He said, uh, surveillance footage of the incident yesterday evening. At that point, I, and then, and he, he mentioned that it was a video on Facebook. So I, it was easy to find. I opened my phone. That's really how I found it. Uh, I opened Facebook. And anyhow, um, as I watched it, I was extremely torn up. Um, I thought that this cop's going to get away with it. Um, the cops are going to get away with it. They won't be charged. There's going to be something that was justifiable in this just because I am seared to my soul conditioned to, to assume that's how it's going to go. And history proves me correct in mm -hmm. my feelings. So, um, I was just agitated and like just sad and scared. So I called the owners of cup foods, the store where he was, where he was killed and they told me what happened and i said well what's about what about the video I'm like well the police are asking for it the fbi is involved and i said the police can't get that video can I, can i come put it on a flash drive i want to work with this reporter from the washington post he makes sense this is not going to be released for a long time you know truth to that the speedway footage and cup food footage has not been released to the public which show all, all a lot of vantage points um especially the vantage point of straight on uh, with the police from that speedway on the other corner. So what? anyhow, I just got a heightened sense of uh, uh, paranoia, a little fear that, uh, you know, and I'm talking to them about it. And they said that I could come get a copy of, of the footage. And I also called uh, Rashad of Dragon Walk to alert him to that and let him know uh, if you asked him if he saw anything, he said, yeah, I saw it. I saw the whole arrest. It was right on the front camera. And I said, well, the FBI and police are looking at cup foods and I'm going to come grab some footage. Can I look at your camera? He said, yeah, come down. Uh, the FBI already knocked on my door and I just kind of ignored him. And uh, before whoa, I arrived, whoa, whoa. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. How do you ignore yeah. the FBI knocking on your door? Because he didn't know what to do. Oh, and I was talking right. to him, and then I said, well, good, keep ignoring them. I need to get that footage. All right, good, good. Um, so uh, then I was told by Cup Foods that they took their DVR, came in with a warrant, emailed a warrant, and yanked it. Uh, wow. And they didn't capture any of the video on their cell phone. So I was hot on uh, Dragon Walk, and I, I told Rashad about that and said, just don't answer the door for anyone, and just please let me in the side door. So... We have to secure and safeguard this. I just, I'm, I'm terrified that something's going to go missing. And I, it, I'm not always cynical that it's going to be, uh, that, that malfeasance is going to happen, but in a in, in a dying unarmed black man, I'm always going to be petrified and paranoid. It's, again, a condition. So uh, it's a fucked up condition that we need to purge from our souls after this. And hopefully we can. Anyhow, we, um, I get there and I'm still corresponding with Mr. Be uh, Mr. Bennett from the post and he's got a local, uh, field person that can get there. And, um, we hold up in the office and we waited and ignored door knocks and, uh, he got there and we uploaded it. Um, I got it off to Washington. Then CBS evening news got in touch with me through, uh, Jamie Yukas, who, 
was from Minnesota and now is in LA for CBS Evening News. They had a correspondent, Mr. Pegway, who had seen on CBS Evening News flying in to try to get into the office. So we waited for him too. And so we got it to two outlets that we trusted and then produced teams that production teams that we had been talking with throughout that. And we were able to disseminate that uncut video there. The police FBI came yesterday and took, uh, took his uh, footage. So his whole DVR. two things. Um, so we got there before. Uh, Sean, you remember the very first time Jared was on our show. I do. I kept saying, this guy doesn't have any boring stories. <laughs> no. Holy crap. I and I know it's not about Jared, and yeah. I know it's not about this show, but wow. But also, Jared, that's some Mission Impossible stuff you're talking about right there. I mean, like, you're you're working the angle. You're fighting the system. You are avoiding the feds and, because, because what's happened is important. Like, a, 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 an innocent unarmed, restrained African-American who is only guilty of maybe, maybe trying to pass a bad bill is murdered in broad daylight. You, you because, and I know who you are, and I, it, so it doesn't surprise me at all, but you were doing the right thing, even though there could have been implications for you. I didn't give a shit about any implications. I would have been dead if I was still in my restaurant space there that day because right. I would have shoulder I would have I would have uh, Goldberg bull rushed a cop, <laughs> me and somebody, what? and then it would be a neighborhood business at man African American Jared Bruinton uh, shot and killed on an altercation with police, and maybe that gets flipped up. So I just felt all of that rush, and then I, as as I was feeling the proximity of that space and and my 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 heart and blood literally is in that building. Um, I just felt it could be me and that it was me. That, that's me. And that uh, oh, fear of me dying in any case where it went un, unjustified um, or there was, no, there was no final resolution to how I died, be it by law enforcement or mm-hmm. anything. I mean, that's a fear. I'm a father and I'm a husband. And I love my family quite a bit. So, you know, that mortality uh, doesn't hang over me every day, but in, in certain instances it does. I've had issues with driving and police officers my entire driving career. Mm-hmm. And um, all of my wives, you know, all my relationships have, <laughs> have been with me when we've been harassed by police officers. And it's fucking harassment because what? I'm not out doing things that police need to be worried about because I'm just outside existing, but for some chocolate tones on my smile. Well, and to me, that that's an important question. So Sean and I are both middle-aged Irish white men. And so we, whether, and so like when I got called out last night a couple of times on the social media about having white privilege, I, I don't think I've ever truly take tried to take advantage of it but i feel like i've i've been on the the good end of it so what i want to ask you and this is a big question and maybe too big a question um you know growing up african-american it never stops like whether it's the authorities or people in the store next to you or people who come into your business even though you're clearly a respected business owner i mean it 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 never really stops, does it? it no, no I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm made aware of being black more times than I think that I am black. Right, and I'm sorry if and, I'm and doing it now. I'm sorry if I'm doing it right now, but I feel like the, all the white Brian, people... Brian, I believe the topic of the day is uh, a, a, community's, a community's cry, so uh, it's definitely fodder for the conversation, my, my blackness. Well, it is, but I also, like, I don't want to add to the burden, but I feel like all the white people, because I, I hate to break it to you, but Brian Oak's appeal is largely white, and so what I want to do is just try to offer, because I feel like that's that's why we're here right now. That We're here because people are still stuck in this weird thing where it's like, well, those people are Ethiopian. Oh, wait, those people look Asian or maybe Hmong. Ugh. Or that person's black, even though his ancestors have been here for generations. So that's why I ask, because I'm not trying to offer sympathy. I'm not asking to be absolved of my racial sins. But it's, it's, it's still a thing to be black, which it shouldn't be. No, shouldn't be. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Uh, I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, um, yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it, it's stupid. Um, so I want to ask you another question before we get to your final song. Um, and again, I feel like this could be a 12-part miniseries because there is, there's so much to unpack here that we haven't even started to touch. But I want to talk about the last 48 hours in Minneapolis. There has been outrage. There have been protests. There have been a lot of people of every stripe who have shown up both peacefully and not quite so peacefully in certain situations. Um, last night in Minneapolis saw riots. Um, places were looted. Places were burned to the ground. I was sent. I, I, so I made a post on social media that if you want revenge, go for it. You have absolutely earned your revenge, but pick the right targets. And then I was sent all these articles about how, you know, Martin Luther King once famous, famously said that riots were the the voice of the unheard. And I understand that. But often with riots, as in the case last night in Southeast Minneapolis, the neighborhood that I call my home, there, there's damage to places that actually benefit the community and there are i think many 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 people are doing it from the right place in their heart but there are a handful of agitators who are like this is my chance to just fucking whatever the case may be and um that's what it is and and, and i know it is so i mean i just want to know your thoughts on when it comes to rioting and buildings being burned burned to the ground i know you don't advocate that kind of life i know you don't advocate that kind of attitude but what do we what do we do? How do we how do we make this smarter? How do we how do we yeah. change things? We cannot change a, an entire community community's way of dealing with the same feeling because everyone's triggered differently. Everyone deals with emotion differently. Everyone's mental awareness and stability is different. You know, in a in a in a, in a hurting society, with you already have. Um, you know, emotional scars, triggers, or some association to what is even happening. All of that is exacerbating. All of that's happening now is exacerbating that. Um, You know, uh, civility is a census because you can, you can say we're being, we're being civil in a, in an anti-establishment way if you know you're right. So that's this, we're, this the civil thing to do. So, um, People, 
people people purge differently, but the way we uh, take in things and, and, and emotionally, uh, you know, work it within ourselves and, and how deep pain and, and burdens. I, I cry for St. Paul, Minneapolis, um, and, and, the, and I hope for the protection and safety of people, but opportunistic anarchists are everywhere and they can't wait for something to kick off. Hey Jared. And there's a lot of young, there's a lot of young kids there too. Jared, do you think that if a black man kneeled on a white man's neck until he was dead on Monday, that he would have been charged already? He would have been charged already. Uh, He might've been killed on the spot. And that's yeah. my, that's and Mike my, Freeman and Mike Freeman would have charged. That's exactly and Mike right. Freeman would have charged him quickly. So why the hell has he not this police officer not been charged? And why have the other police officers not been charged for for sitting there and watching it happen? I believe the union has their 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 hands in the representation of their clients and their attorneys, and that's going to be a, a a wall of of power. Um, and Mike Freeman has worked hand in hand with them and. Uh, he's not made the right call a lot. And, and the times that it hurts us the most is when it's about police violence against uh, citizens and at any rate. And, and that's what the people are fearful of. And what scares me the most and, and it has not happened yet is if he does not charge them, what's going to happen to our city? That scares me the most. I agree. Because what's happening now is, a, is, is just the aftermath of, uh, of the initial shock and pain of another, of another uh, human being taken down in this similar circumstance. Nothing being short. Black man. Yeah, nothing short of life in prison is the other thing with the sentence on this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean. You know, to, to, there's a, a, a James Baldwin quote that. Uh, about riots, uh, you know, and this is back in the, in, the, in the late 60s, you know, on television, you see black hands reaching in and, and the American public concludes that the savages are trying to steal everything from us. And but no one seriously tried to get where the trouble is. And after all, you're accusing a captive population who's been robbed of everything of looting. And that's obscene. And that's why the businesses that help the community that are nearby and in proximity to this anger are only symbolic. They're not themselves in, they're not the business. It's not Target. It's not AutoZone. It's symbolic. And um, I'm not condoning it. I'm, 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 I'm sad that it's got to this level, but uh, there are justifications to some of the things that people are doing. And it's all because of somebody's fault. It's because a cop, cops killed someone in the way that they did it. And so it's tough for everyone to come to an understanding on that. When you're debating with somebody about something that affects them more than it affects you, you know, it's going to give them a, motion, a, a, a far greater emotional toll than it is on you. That's your academic exercise in some sort of game of objectivity. But for them, they have to delve into distress to try to convince you who are standing back and, and really uh, coming in from a place of privilege that can only view it as uh, exercise. I don't almost uh, like a debate of academics of your feelings versus my feelings, but your heart and soul and scarred history of, of your people is in your version of events. Well, uh, I, uh, we have to start to wrap things up. Unfortunately, Jared, um, again, I feel like this could be a 12 part series and James Baldwin for anybody who's not familiar with James Baldwin, go online, watch his very few videos that are available buy his books read him if you want to understand 
And again, here we are 50 years after James Baldwin's most important period, still talking about our racial differences. It makes me crazy. James Baldwin is one of the most articulate, intelligent, the level of foresight, just unbelievably impossible. And I kind of feel that way about my good friend, Jared Brewington. Um, Jared, we're going to wrap things up here in a minute, but I got to take care of a couple sponsors real quick. And I don't, I don't mean to diminish the importance of what we're talking about with commerciality, but unfortunately... I have to live in a house and eat food. So I'm going to do that real quick. I want to thank SmartStartMN.com for all the work they do and for being the initial sponsors here. They are the initial inventors of the, what's it called? Ignition Interlock. And what what does that do, John? It allows you to drive. If you or somebody you know got uh, DUI, uh, you can actually blow into this little device and it allows you to get to work or to take your kids to... Tai Chi, or... What, what about boomerang practice? Can all, I still take them to boomerang practice? You can take them there, but you can't take them back. Wait, it's boomerang. I guess you can. Yeah, no, you totally can <laughs> you once totally they can. catch the boomerang. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, they, they're, they do good work. They're good lawyers. They've been in Minnesota. They are the originators of this process. And if I go to uh, smartstartmn.com, then what do I do? Then you go to slash the Brian Oak Show, and you get 20% off the installation. Fantastic news. Also, uh, finally, before we go, um, Sean, you are a realtor for Edina Realty. Uh, You work at the 50th and France location. Uh, And despite the fact that we're in lockdown and the city's on fire, people are still buying homes. They're still buying and selling homes. Uh, Yeah, so give me a call, 612-859-2594, or text me if you're interested in buying and selling a portion of Every sale I make goes to the Warming House, a nonprofit uh, music uh, venue on 50th and uh, Bryant. No, not on 50th and Bryant. On 40th and Bryant. Sorry. Wait, do what now? I'm totally fried, too. That's part of the problem. Same, on, man. On I slept an and, hour last night. Yeah, and in the basement of Farmstead Bike Shop, uh, both, both my friends were at the uh, peaceful protest the other night. The owners uh, were down there peacefully protesting. Um, but I, I support them, and, and I'm going to support them and continue to do so. So give me a call if you're looking to buy or sell. You know what I like is when you do things like this, when you do a broadcast and you get a text from somebody as smart as Jared Brewington, Brewington he enjoyed boomerang practice quite a bit. <laughs> he, he sent me a rather elaborate text. So, Jared, before we go, I know that we're talking about heavy things. We're talking about human lives and the balance. We're talking about the future of our city. We're talking about... You know, the importance of protest, the importance of kindness, the importance of understanding, the importance of decency. But I'd also, one of the things that Sean and I have been doing over the last couple of months is doing this checking in thing and talking about the importance of small business. You have a place called American Thighs. What does your professional life look like right now? It's called Thigh Times Birdhouse. Um, uh, my professional life is that place is, yes, it's. Um, but I do have great American size. Well, uh, um, and- some, somehow I was I was in an ACDC mode right there, so I apologize for that. <laughs> Thigh okay. times birdhouse. We're we're in a pause we're in a pause mode uh, due <laughs> to the restrictions to dining. But I am doing a pop up Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday at Freehouse downtown, just with our jumbo wings and a, and and house fries with a, a crowler special with their Freehouse beers. Um, yes. Um, American thighs. 
I'm flexing. Well, and I, I, I know I know that you had great success with Funky Grits, and that sort of took off. So you've probably got a little breathing room. But it's you know that these are oh god, I almost said one of my most hated phrases. So I spend a lot of time, even though I'd like to be more creative or maybe more productive, spend a lot of time laying on the couch watching TV these days. And all of a sudden, the, the plaintive piano music comes on, and it's like, in these uncertain times, now, more than ever, we're all in this together. Oh, fuck me. God damn, I hate it so much. Right? I get it, but you're still selling me a product. That being said, you right. are a friend and an ally and someone I want to be part of this community. Give me your details one more time on where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. I'm Jared Brewington. I'm everywhere. Well, no, I know who you are. I meant about your pop-up. Oh, uh, Freehouse. Uh, Freehouse out in Washington in Minneapolis. So Wednesday, Friday evenings there uh, on their website. They do online and pre-orders uh, just because it's a to-go atmosphere still and, and curbside. But you can order ahead there at, at Freehouse MPLS is, all, is their handle on most things. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, my uh, we're going to say goodbye here in a mere moment. Uh, my computer just shit the bed, so I don't remember what your last song is. Um, so before we go there, I want to thank AudioQuip. I want to thank everyone who's contributed art, effort. Don't forget, in the weeks to come, we will have details on how to get the Brian Oak Show tote bag, <laughs> which seems funny at one point, but now just <laughs> makes me sad inside. Um Jared, I hope you're well, man. And um, you, Thanks, we do promise that when we are past all this weirdness, you'll find your way to South Minneapolis and come in and join us live in our studio. What do you, what do you think about whiskey whiskey chats with me? I think hmm. it's happening. Well, here's the thing: I'm not really a big whiskey fan, uh, and also I'm I uh, just kind of so-so on Jared Brewington. So, dude, I am I'm enjoying some Tullamore Dew right now. Like, just a little I, bit. I don't I don't I don't do a show without having at least one. Yeah, well, another. this is a make this is a maker's mark, and cheers to you. That's clean. Uh, cheers to you, my good man, and here's to a peaceful way forward. I know that we've been trying for so long and I know we have so, so, so far to go, but it's got to be better than this. We can't burn buildings to the ground. We can't treat our fellow human beings like pieces of trash or disregard them. And I, I, I know that sounds Pollyanna and I know that people are like, oh, white privilege. I, I just, I, I believe it in my heart that if we don't find a way to be better to each other, then we're fucking doomed. And I know that you feel the same way. So, be well. Do you, want uh, me to, do you want me to intro the song? Yes, please. Because I, I can't. Oh, oh, Donnie. So I don't know who Donnie is. Please, like, like Donnie is. Donnie's amazing. Uh, this is from his album, The Colored Section. So it's extremely conscious and thought provocative about the, the African American's experience in America. And this song is called Our New National Anthem. And I just want to in, intro it this way. It's not the time to make America anything again. We need to just make America whole. It's fucking fractured. The evidence is that we have two political parties that equal two different belief systems, and we think that we coexist as if our belief systems are our humanity, and that's not true. We need to exist with our different belief systems as one humanity. This is a call to humanity. America just needs to be whole, period. Jared Bruntin, I love you. Thanks for being on here. Love you, Jared. Thank you, man. Love you. Thank you, brothers. Yeah.
make it to the promised land. Yeah. I know we'll show what it is to be truly American. Ooh. Your race, your race, my race, my race. Come together and have a taste of yeah. a new day. Yeah. Remix eventually the race to live will fix and everything it will be all right. Everything it will be just right. Everything it will be my hand. Your hand, maybe we can come overstand. 9-11-01, having just to get our attention. Need just fast and pray, light an incense, meditate on a new day. Remix it, eventually the rest of them will fix it. Everything it will be alright. Everything it will be just fine. Oh, no.